Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to an all-new edition of the Metropolitan Report. I am Alfred Parsar Jr., and this is the Destination Podcast for all New York Mets fans, where we talk about any and everything New York Mets. Today is Friday, April 9th, 2021, and today on the program, uh, we will be going over the first four games the Mets have played this season. Uh, We'll be joined in our newest segment, On the Horn, with Barry Grant Jr. from the All Even Podcast. And I'm going to give my Mets MVP award to the player who I think had the best impact, or or the most impact, I should say, uh, through the first four games of the season. Now, before we uh, get into anything else, I just want to say there were several things on the last edition of the Metropolitan Report that I was correct about. I did say, and you can go back and listen to it, I did say that the Mets would start the season 2-2, and and I did say that the Phillies would take two from the Mets, and that the Mets would win one game against the Phillies, and they would take one from the Marlins, this first one. Now, let's talk about what we liked so far this season. Now, Now, remember, this is a small sample size. We've only seen them through four games. But positive number one, the play of Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo has been a very big bright spot for this New York Mets offense uh, so far this season. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, although the rest of the offense is sleeping, for lack of a better term, Nimmo's on his game. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, uh, as of the end of yesterday's game against the Marlins, batting 429. So that's that's an impressive that that's an impressive feat through four games, 14 at bats, six hits, uh, and he's walked five times. So he's walked five times in four games. That's that's not bad at all. Brandon Nimmo's a, 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 a bright spot. Also, he's one of the lone bright spots uh, in this lineup. But, I mean, the Mets are 2-2, two two, four games. It's, it's, an, it's an early sample size. Small sample size, I should say. Uh, I believe he is the only regular everyday player who's batting uh above 300 but again it's early i'm pretty sure lindor and conforto and dom smith and and pete alonzo will all come around but that's number one the the one one thing that that i like brandon nimmo's play the second thing the starting pitching four games three quality starts Degrom in the opener seven strikeouts Three walks. No, two walks, sorry. Three hits. He pitched a gem. I don't know why Rojas pulled him after 77 pitches in six innings. I would have kept him an extra inning out there, but he pitched well. You you forward to the to the second game of the season against the Phillies as well. Marcus Stroman. Quality start. Yesterday against the Marlins, Taiwan Walker. Quality start, only gave up two runs. So this starting pitching has been great. Uh, bright spot number three, Edwin Diaz. Even though we only saw him in one game so far this season, yesterday against the Marlins, he looked like the Edwin Diaz that led the majors in saves in, in Seattle. So if if Diaz, I mean, I know it's a small sample size again, but if he can continue to pitch the rest of the season how he pitched yesterday, we may have the Edwin Diaz of old back. But now for the things that I that I'm concerned about that I didn't like. Number one, the offense has to wake up. The offense has to wake up. Again, the offense has to wake up in four games they have 15 runs 
Now, some people would say, oh, 15 runs in four games is not bad. You got to remember the one game they won against Philly, they scored eight runs. They won eight to two. But they lose the opener, five to two. They win the next game, eight to two. They, they lose the next game uh, via blowout. Peterson, David Peterson, uh, and we'll get to him shortly, had a bad outing. They only scored two runs the entire game. And then yesterday against the Marlins, and we'll talk about that as well, they, they scored three runs. You got uh, as much potential as this lineup has to do damage on offense. They they have to be better. They just have to be better. Pete Alonzo, Dom Smith, Michael Conforto, Francisco Lindor. That, those four guys, Jeff McNeil, they should be getting hits. But again, it's early. You know, um, I'd rather them play like this now than in the dog days of summer. My next concern, the bullpen. I have already seen enough of Trevor May, Aaron Loop, and Miguel Castro than I would care for. I don't want to see that trio for a while. But it seems like Luis Rojas keeps going back to that trio in the bullpen. So it's it's... I'm wondering what else is going on. I mean, Edwin Diaz, you can't, he's your closer. You can't trot him out there whenever you feel like it. The situation has to, has to call for it. But Trevor May has struggled or looked uncomfortable in a Mets uniform. Jerry's Familia can't find the plate still. And I was talking about that in spring training. And it's carried over to the regular season. I'm not surprised. Jacob Barnes, although only one run, uh, is attributed to his ERA when he came in relief of David Peterson in the in the finale against the Phillies. Uh, he gave up a three-run home run. He was rattled. Aaron Loop. Let's not revisit what happened in Philly in the opener. The game was tied two-two, and then they brought him in, and it just got out of hand. It got worse. Although Luis Guillorme's error throwing a home to James McCann uh, exacerbated that, but. This bullpen needs to improve, and the bullpen has been the Mets' Achilles heel uh, for the last couple of years now. But the offense needs to wake up, and this bullpen needs to get sharp. How many how many leads are you going to blow? How, how many inconsistent performances are you going to have? I mean, again, it's, it's, it's early. It's April. It's not like it's end of July or August when the games become more meaningful. But the, the the play just has to get better. It just has to get better. Now, on the interesting de uh, developments, uh, we have two injuries so far on the team. Uh, Dylan Batances has gone on the IL. He's on the 10-day IL. He was placed on the IL yesterday before the game against the Marlins. And uh, Batances, not looking like the Batances that we knew from the Yankees. Shell of himself. He only made one appearance this season before landing on the IL with a shoulder impingement. And uh, it was just announced breaking that uh, Trevor Hildenberger, who was optioned to minor league camp at the end of spring training, he will be taking Batances' roster spot until Batances is ready to come back from the injury. So it remains to be seen if Hildenberger will be a decent upgrade uh, to this Mets bullpen. And the next injury of note, even though he has not officially been placed on the injured list, J.D. Davis, who was hit by a pitch in the second game of the season, uh, right on the hand. Uh, X-rays and MRIs have come back negative. Um, there's no break, no fracture, just a lot of swelling and discomfort. Um, but he's been day-to-day uh, -day, uh, out of the lineup, and there's uh, no timetables of when we can see him back, but he is not officially on the injured list. But J.D. Davis, um, who two years ago hit over 300 for the Mets, uh, he is a, a, a capable bat and somebody who's going to be missed in the lineup. Although uh, Jonathan VR and even Luis Guillorme, who got a single in a clutch situation yesterday, 
have been proven to be more than capable backups so far this season. But again, I'd rather things like this happen early on than as if they were to happen uh, later on in the season. This is why uh, things like this early on, uh, I'm not too concerned about only because, again, it's still early in the season. And now to the elephant in the room. Uh, the game yesterday, the Mets beat the Marlins. Uh, Michael Conforto came up to the plate. It was tied 2-2 two two in the bottom of the ninth base is loaded. He, there was a 0-2 count, and Conforto took what looked to be strike three, but stuck his elbow out and got hit by the pitch. And it's weird because Mets fans were celebrating the win. The Mets ran on the field celebrating the win. But on SNY, Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, and Keith Hernandez, uh, they sounded a bit disgusted. Was it a dirty play or was it not? Um, technically, he should have been out. Even the umpire, the home plate umpire, later went on and said uh, he should, after reviewing it. And, and the funny thing is, the umpires got together and reviewed the video and upheld the call. And this decided the game. But later on, the home plate umpire said that he should have called him out. Uh, very controversial, to say the least. Uh, here's uh, what, how Gary, Ron, and Keith reacted when they called the game on SNY yesterday. One, two coming. And the slider in there, strike three. It hit him. Conforto's hit him. The pitch. It hit him. It in the strike zone. It hit Conforto. He made no effort to get out of the way. It was a strike, but he didn't move. And Don Mattingly is going to come out and argue the call with the home plate umpire, Ron Culpa. The ball hit him, and it was going to be a strike. Yep. So the Mets are celebrating. The Marlins are arguing. And unless this is overruled, the Mets have themselves a 3-2 win as Conforto is nicked by a pitch. Now, by rule, you yeah. have to make an effort to get out of the way. And that's what the Marlins are arguing. This is a strike, yep. and he gets hit. Look at that. Oh, you oh, can't do that. No. They, they have totally got they a case They got to bring here. it back. Totally have yes. a case. They're gonna, it's he, absolute. It's he stuck be, his elbow right into that pitch. It's going to be strike three. Strike the three, umpires two are outs. conferring, and let's see. Is, now, the hit by pitch is reviewable. The umpires are leaving. Or are they no, going? No, they're, no. Going to, they're going to. Uh, they're going to the headset. I don't. I don't think they can go to the headset on this. This is not a reviewable well, play. Well, hit by pitch is reviewable. Why if, can't you oh, say when, hit when, by pitch in the strike zone reviewable? Uh, I don't think so. I okay. think whether he is hit or not is reviewable, but it's a judgment call by the umpire as to whether he made an effort to get out of the way. We're oh, trying to man. get it right. Can't do that. I. I. I I'm almost yeah. certain that. Do you, that you couldn't call a strike that they cannot overrule uh -huh. this on replay by saying that he stuck his elbow no, into it. No, purpose. but you can call it that he stuck his arm in purpose and he's out. Yes, you can call that on. A, I don't know on a re review, Here but the go. umpire can call that. What are they calling it? What are they they're, saying? They're saying the play stands. Game's over. The Mets win it. Wow. Wow. That's. Michael Conforto clearly to... stuck his elbow into it. Mattingly's coming out and arguing, but I'm sure he's going to be told that that's not reviewable. But you're trying to get it right. They don't get it right, so why even have replay? So Michael Conforto gets a game-winning RBI by sticking his elbow into the pitch from Anthony Bass, and the Mets rally for two in the bottom of the ninth, and only now can they fully celebrate as the umpires say that the game is over. What a bizarre way to end the game. So you hear the disappointment that Gary, Keith, and Ron had in calling the end of the game. And I I think they're upset both at Michael Conforto's actions and sticking his elbow out there and at the home plate umpire who also reviewed the call and still got it wrong. Even more telling is Michael Conforto's demeanor when he was asked what did he think about his actions and how it affected the outcome of the game and here was he didn't have much to say but here's what he did say which may surprise some of you a win's a win um it's over a win is a win it's over well conforto getting off to a slow start this season he did something that a lot of people look down on that 
He wasn't supposed to do. Some may say it's a dirty play. But it won his team the game. I'm pretty sure uh, uh, if you're a Mets fan, you're going to take the win. Regardless of whether you think it's right or wrong. Because a lot of people in City Field were rocking yesterday when they saw that what happened. And on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, uh, it'll be our debut segment of On the Horn where we talk with Barry Grant Jr. Uh, after the Mets game yesterday, I had the pleasure of speaking to Barry Grant from the All Even podcast, and uh, we, we had a good conversation about a lot of things going on with the New York Mets this season. So uh, stay tuned after the break, and you'll catch my conversation from yesterday with Barry Grant Jr. from All Even. You're listening to the Metropolitan Report. I'm Alfred Barsar Jr. What's up, y'all? This is Barry Grant Jr., host of the All Even podcast. I'm tuning in with my man, Alfred host of the Metropolitan Report. That's the only place that I get my Mets news from. Tap in, because trust me, that's crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back on the Metropolitan Report. I'm Alfred Parsar Jr., and this is our newest segment debuting on this edition of the report. It's on the horn, and uh, joining us now is a good friend of the show, a fellow Met fan, and the host of the All Even Sports Podcast, which you can find on Spotify, Anchor, Apple and all other major streaming platform services. Mr. Barry Grant Jr. Barry, welcome to the Metropolitan Report, my friend. What's up, man? What's up, Alfred? Thanks for having me, man. Oh, no, not a not a problem. Uh, uh, just let everybody uh, uh, in on um, your background just a little bit. And uh, for those who don't know who you are, if you could just introduce yourself to the audience, please. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, you know, my name is Barry Grant Jr., host of the Old Even Podcast. Um, you can find it on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, whole bunch of other streaming platforms. Um, you know, a big sports fan, grew up a Mets fan. I was born in Brooklyn, moved to Queens very shortly after that, and I was a Mets fan instantly. So, you know, kid from Queens, loves the Mets who are also in Queens. Um, you know, sports has always been a thing for me in regards to just making sense like nothing else really made sense, but sports did. Um, and I kind of just went that way, you know, um, last year, last year through the pandemic, you know, it was a tough time for everybody still is for a lot of people, but I discovered my podcast, uh, in July, I said, I'm going to do a podcast after kind of being lazy and pushing it to the back burner. So I decided to do it in, uh, last July and, you know, it's been it's been great. It's been a great journey, great experience. I've met a lot of good people. Um, yeah, and it's it's definitely growing. Like, you know, my YouTube page is growing. The Instagram page is growing. We have a lot of interviews that we do with, um, you know, up and coming media people, established media people, ex-football players, ex-basketball players, current basketball players, current football players. So, you know, um, every month is something else something else pops up and it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely reward, uh, rewarding. And it's also, it's also a lot of fun. And for those of you who like coverage on uh, the NBA, the NFL, basketball, football, even, even some college, uh, all even has it all covered. Um, but the reason we, we've got uh, Barry on the show uh, is because as he said, he is a uh, Met fan. And um, Barry, let me just ask you, uh, when was the first time you, you laid eyes on a Mets baseball game? <laughs> the first time I laid eyes on a Mets baseball game um, had to be about probably nine or ten. Uh, you know, baseball was never the sport that was pushed in my home. Uh, it was more basketball. My mom is a diehard Laker fan. I grew up a Laker fan. She hated the Celtics because none of the Celtics looked like her. <laughs> <laughs> according to her Bird, and the Lakers McHale, were, and- yeah, exactly. You know, and the Lakers were, were mostly brothers. So, you know, she, a lot, like a lot of people kind of flocked to the Lakers and that's where I got my fandom from. I still have it to this day. Uh, but you know, I, I, I didn't start watching baseball until, till about nine or 10 years old. And, uh, I went to my first game. I think I was about 11 when I went to my first game and, you know, I, I I saw Mike Piazza behind the behind the uh, the dugout, and 
I, I think that's when I was just like, I love this place. And, you know, it was a Shea Stadium back then, rinky-dink Shea Stadium, where, you know, it was the perfect, imperfect stadium for Met fans. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't it wasn't Yankee Stadium. It wasn't, you know, um, it wasn't Kauffman Stadium or anything like that, but it was ours. And when that place got loud, it shook. And I missed that. You know what I mean? I, I miss those days of, of Shea. But, you know, that's definitely when I, I, I definitely watched my first baseball game, around 9, 9 o'clock or so. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was an experience, and I, I never looked back. Okay, and uh, it's fair to say that you're a diehard, still, still following the team to this day. Diehard, yes. I mean, like, when the Mets have a bad week, don't speak to me. You know, I, the Lakers can go ahead and lose games and, you know, lose a couple playoff games here or there. But if the Mets have a bad week, we're not even talking about pennant races or anything like that. Uh, I'll, I'll be a very hard person to speak to. <laughs> Understood. Well, let, let's talk about this week. So the Mets are, are now four games in. Um, they're two and two. Uh, they took one. They took the second game from Philadelphia. They lost games one and three. And then today... Uh, they had the controversial uh, ending against the uh, the Marlins, which I I've never seen a game end like that. But before we get to what happened against the Marlins, um, I just want to discuss what do you think? Is, what do you think is the is the biggest strength of this team so far through these first four games, and what do you think is the biggest weakness? Uh, I think the biggest strength of this this team so far looks like the starting pitching, honestly. Uh, besides. You know, David Peterson having that rough outing, I think the starting pitching has been pretty good. Our bullpen, just like last year and the year before that, it's extremely shaky still. Um, you know, I didn't expect Batances to be on the IL this early. <laughs> like, it's that's shocking to, to me. I'm sure it's shocking to the organization as well, to the team. Um, I can't really say the bats because the bats have been – pretty quiet i mean you know um jeff mcneil i think got his first hit of the season and was it was the game time home run in the bottom of the ninth so you know stuff like that you 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 definitely see that they're struggling it look like they're pressing or they're guessing right now in regards to what they're looking at but i would definitely say that starting pitching right now is the mesh strength and and i'm gonna have to agree with you because if you look at the, the opening day game uh, away at uh, Philly, uh, Jacob Degrom uh, didn't allow a single run. He had seven strikeouts, two walks, and the bullpen just blew his performance. Matter right. of fact, Jacob Jacob Degrom should get Player of the Week because right. the two runs they scored in that game, offensively, he was responsible for one. He had an RBI single. So right, <laughs> like and, and and it's it's the same story. And it, since 2018, so from 2018 to present. Um, DeGrom has had a lead in 31 games that the bullpen has blown for him or, or run support didn't stack up. So that's crazy. He's had 31 no decisions because the bullpen can't, can't keep it together, which to me is mind boggling because when it comes time, uh, I don't know, 20 years from now, however long it's going to be. And, uh, numbers are being looked at for hall of fame considerations. That's gonna, I mean, I, I think he, I, I think if he keeps going on the same, the same route, uh, he'll be fine, but. That's 31 wins that man could have had. Uh, I don't know how he's not uh, upset yet, but it's just crazy to me. And then, of course, uh, Peterson had had the bad outing, but even Marcus Stroman looked good. He got the first win of the the Steve Cohen era. Um, so Stroman's looked good. Degrama's looked good. Taiwan Walker even yes. today looked good. Taiwan Walker looked um, very good. Yes, only giving up two runs. Um, he had a he he had a no no through four. So a solid, he had a solid outing for the most part. Um, six inning, he started to tire, and that's when he gave up the the two runs. But I mean, the starting pitching, I gotta agree with you, it has been the uh, clear cut strength. But this bullpen, and this is what I don't understand about Luis Rojas. I gotta like he's using the same relievers over and over and over through the first four games. I've seen consistently Trevor May. <laughs> Aaron Aaron Loop, Miguel Castro, like I, I don't, and then May May is May struggled, 
Uh, Loop was the was the was the main culprit in in that in that opening day loss when he and it, well he tied with Guillaume because that that throw that throw brought in two runs that errant throw uh, to to James McCann. Right, but it's it's. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating that no matter who the ownership is, no matter who's in the front office, the bullpen historically these last few seasons has just been rotten, for lack of a better term. And I'm not going to lie, I was at that game uh, in person, the home opener um, today, and seeing Miguel Castro and Trevor May enter that game both scared me. So much so that Edwin Diaz, who as a Met historically – has been bad. When he came into the game, I breathed a sigh of relief. And, <laughs> and that's that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. And Jerry's familiar is another one. We saw him in the Philly series. Oh, please I don't mean, bring him up. Please. I mean, granted, he didn't give up as many runs as others. I think he only gave up one run in the series, but he can't find the plate. And I even uh, in earlier editions of the Metropolitan Report, voiced my concerns about Familia because it took him uh, thirty pitches to get out of one inning in spring in the spring training. So that's his bullpen, MO. Yeah, this this bullpen needs a lot of work. Familia is far different than the player he was in 2014, 15, 16. Agreed. It, like I, he's just a shell of himself now. I don't even know why why they roster this guy. And then, uh, like you mentioned, Batances is on the IL four games in, which is which is scary. Yeah, for all the money that he's and 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 like I and like Rojas said uh, in spring training when he was determining who's going to get bullpen spots, he said you can't have a guy who you pay six million dollars and send him to the alternate site, which is true. But it's going to be interesting to see um, who uh, takes his spot on on the roster now that they have a freed spot. Now that he's on the IL, I personally. Would like to see Jerry Blevins, who had um, somewhat of a solid spring. Um, yeah, that, man, I like I like Blevins, man. Blevins has been a uh, he's been injury prone, but when he's healthy, he's good. But when when Edwin Diaz is the guy who makes me breathe the sigh of relief out of everybody in that bullpen, that's that's not good. Jacob Jacob Barnes struggled as well. He's another one uh, comes into a game. Uh, granted, the three runs he gave up on that home run, two of them. Belong to Peterson, but still he threw the pitch that 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 got driven out of the park for the three runs. It's just it's concerning. And then the offense. If we look at the four games, one thing has been a constant. Today's game against the Marlins, they scored three runs. They win. Uh, yesterday against uh, Philly, they they lose. They they score two runs. The right. one game they won, they had an offensive explosion, but that's one game. The even right. in the even in the opener, two runs. The the bats have been quiet. And I know that this is very, it's still early and and a lot of people are going to give me flack for this but you know I need the 341 million dollar man to prove that he's worth 341 million dollars. And then I know a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh, the season is still early. Why are you why are you criticizing Lindor?" But did you not see what he was doing in spring training? Where did the momentum go? Well, I, I mean, mean, you 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 know this, Alfred, is that Spring training and the regular season, they're two different things. Two different like, things, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's you know, you, you got to take into factor that climate is a different thing. Like, it's it's warmer in Florida. Guys are more comfortable. You come you come back up east and or back up north or whatever, you, you know, it's a little colder. You know, you got to some, – some guys take time to get into their, their rhythm. Sometimes guys, you know, guys are – some guys are, are slow starters. Like, they don't see the ball as well. In April, then the ball kind of clears up in March. I mean, uh, in May, and then June, and then so forth. Then they get hot, and then dog days of summer. So, you know, I, I am I am not so concerned about Lindor early in the season, four games in. Um, I'd be concerned if we're sixty games in and he's batting near the Mendoza line. That would be very concerning. But for right now, you know, I think he's still trying to feel out what his approach is going to be in this lineup, how he's, you know, how, how he's going to be able to look at national league pitching. This is a guy who's been in the American league his entire career. So, you know, it's, it's a different ball game. It's different pitching. It's different scouting. It's different homework that he has to do. So I'm not concerned about him. 
I'd be more concerned about guys like Michael Conforto who don't hit, um, you know, uh, Smith, you know, just going down the line of guys who are here who've been established in the National League and they're struggling out the gate because we're going to need them more than we're actually going to need Lindor right now. And, and that's true. And it's funny you bring up Michael Conforto because he's he's sort of the sleazy hero, as I, I like to call it. Um, so for those who didn't watch the game or don't know what we're talking about, uh, uh, against the Marlins, um, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, uh, one out, and Conforto is up at the plate. It's a 0-2 count. And Michael Conforto, and I thought he struck out looking initially from where I was sitting. Right. I, was, uh, I, I was right by the foul pole uh, on the third base side in the outfield in foul territory. So my view is not you know, the the absolute best view. But I thought he struck out looking, and apparently he got hit by the pitch. And I got an alert from Bleacher Report. This is funny. When I'm in the parking lot, so I'm already, you know, getting out of there, out of City Field. And the report, the Bleacher Report uh, app, the alert read, and I quote, controversial hit-by-pitch finish leads to wild finish in, in Marlins Mets game. So I clicked right. to see the video because I want to see the SNY feed. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he stuck his elbow out to get hit by the pitch. And you know what's funny? I even said in the in the Instagram live video uh, on the Metropolitan Report Instagram as I was doing some quasi commentary. I I said and I and I didn't realize I said this until I watched it back. I said a hit batsman can end the game. And lo and behold, the hit batsman ended the game. Um, but Don Mattingly was furious, uh, and they, they tried to review it, but you can't review that call. And, uh, a couple hours later, the, uh, home plate umpire said that he should have called him out. So I don't know if, uh, on Saturday they're going to take liberties and Dean Conforto, uh, as soon as he comes to the plate. And, and it's crazy because if you listen to the SNY commentary, Gary, Ron, and Keith, even though their team won, they weren't well, happy with that. Yeah, I mean, listen, that that's why I like that's why I like Gary, Keith, and Ronnie is that they're 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 fair and impartial. They're just gonna call the game, no matter if it's the Mets or not. Like you know, they're very critical of their own guys too. A lot of times, Keith is a little bit too um, critical, and you know, the SNY people don't really like that, or the old regime didn't like that, right? We we don't know what Cohen is gonna do. I, I'm sure he's not gonna do anything because. It's a part of the game. But um, but what Conforto did is definitely Bush League. <laughs> but here's the thing. As players, you're going to do everything in your power to help your team win or put your team that in the best situation. So I don't blame Conforto for doing that. Like who you have to blame are the umpires. The umpires are the ones that are supposed to see things like that and say, hey, he leaned in. That's a strike. Game over or whatever it is. But, and the worst know, part is they they went to the cameras and still upheld the call. Right. So that's what I'm but, saying. So it's like, you know, you can't don't don't be mad at Conforto for trying to, you know, help his team. You have to hold the officials accountable to be able to see things like that and to call it the way it's supposed to be called. So, you know, it's a yeah, it's a cheap win for the Mets. Cool. But at the end of the day, umpires got to be better. They got to be better. So um, it's early in the season. I'm sure they're going to learn from this. I'm sure they're going to keep an eye out for things like that. And I don't think you're going to see mu much instances of these things happening. This might be an isolated incident that happens the entire season because I'm sure they're going to want to put a handle on it because they don't want guys choking up at the plate and kind of leaning in and say, okay, you hit me. Like, you know, it's that's not what they want. But, um, you know, it's a new season for everybody. That's the way I look at it. So, it's early, you know, I, I see guys talking about, oh, you know, the ref or the umpire, he should be, um, you know, he should retire or resign. It's just like, come on now. Uh, it, yes, it's egregious, but, is it, but is, it, is it the most egregious thing I've ever seen uh, no. an umpire do? No. How about when um my man, what was the guy, the, the pitcher's name on the on the Tigers? when he, Galarraga. He, Yes, Galarraga didn't get the no the, the the no hitter because of the because of the uh the ump. The like call, that's the, called safe at first base when it was yeah, out. Yeah, right. Like that's egregious. Like that's something where you can really be like, come on, like you're you're flirting with history now. Uh, but, but a game me, on me, on me, April eighth 
between the Mets and the and the and, and the Marlins is not a big deal. But 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 let me ask you now because we're talking about robbing a, a player of, of history of a no hitter, but this is a this is the uh, an outcome of a game here. No, like which one is more more important? I would say affecting the game rather than affecting somebody's no hitter. Well, because I, I would disagree, Alfred. Because here's the thing: we're we're talking about Game Seven for the Marlins. We're talking about Game Four for the Mets. At the end of the day, we have a hundred plus games to go. If one game is going to upheld your season, then you know that you didn't have that good of a season. Is what I'm saying. Even like, if the, even if hypothetically speaking, the Marlins finished one game behind the Mets in the standings. Yeah, because I can guarantee you that they'll never look at that game and say, "Man, if they didn't cheat us out of that game, we've been in the playoffs." They would be like, "Listen, there's other games that we should have won, and we didn't close the deal." So I, I don't look at this as how uh, you know a lot of other people look at it. I look at when you're taking away things like history stuff, perfect games, no hitters. That's big. That's big, and those things last. Those things stick with you. This is not going to stick to none of those umps. Uh, it's just it's just one of those calls that are just early in the season. I prefer this to happen now than this to happen in September. You understand what I'm saying? Like, get it out now. Get all the kinks out now. Make your mistakes now. Don't let this happen in September when it matters. All right, I I, I can I, I can I can I can see where you're you're coming from, but uh, Conforto, I want to focus on just a little bit because next to Lindor, he he's clearly the the next priority for the Mets front office. Um, and he's, he's, he's struggling to start the season, but I got to give him a bit of a break because his sleaziness and his improvisation won us a game. Uh, what do you think about Conforto? Cause you know, Conforto is a client of Scott Boris and Scott Boris has been notorious for having his guys test free agency and hitting the open market to see what they can get. Do you think Conforto, who didn't set a hard deadline for for an extension, by the way, unlike Lindor, do you think Conforto gets extended, or do you think he finishes the season and then get and becomes a free agent after? Uh well, I mean, you, you kind of said it. The fact that Scott Boris's clients normally don't sign midseason extensions; they go to free agency, see what the market is, and then negotiate with the team in the off season. So. It all depends on Conforto, honestly. Like, Conforto can be able to tell Scott Boris, listen, this is where I want to be. I don't want to go anywhere. So let's talk to the Mets exclusively and let's get this done. Doesn't matter how long it takes, but let's get it done. But with that comes a catch-22 because he's in a contract year. Normally, you want your player to be stress-free in a contract year so he can be able to ball out with no worries you have this contract situation lingering throughout the entire season where there's reports being leaked about offers being uh, uh, turned down or there's a counter offer or this and that. Now you're taken away from what the team's trying to do. Now you're taken away from bigger stories like, you know, Syndergaard coming back at some point or, you know, the bullpen coming around and they're starting to play well or whatever the case may be. Like, you know, you don't want a contract situation to be lingering over your ball club's head. And that's why I think Scott Boris is the master of what he does, because he uses that particular phrase or mindset to allow the teams to say, you know what? You are right, Scott. Let, let's not focus on this right now. Yeah, yeah, let's go to free agency, because now he can be able to get more eyes on his client. He can get more offers for his client as well as drive the price up. And if the team that his client played for previously wants him, now the price is going up. So. It's it's great on Scott Boris's part. It's great for the client's part. The Mets have to look at it like, okay, how do we want to play this? Do we want to distract the team with this issue, or do we just kind of cross our fingers and hope for the best and go into go into the winter meetings and see if we can get something done? And it's interesting because. Uh, Conforto is not the only man coming off the books this season. Syndergaard's going to be a free agent. Stroman is going to be a free agent. And uh, they've had preliminary talks about an extension with DeGrom. And if they could get that extension done, then DeGrom will probably retire as a Met. So right. all, all interesting things, even though 
I think I think uh, they owe DeGrom an opt-out clause because, you know, 31. No opt-out clause. No opt-out clause. Listen, DeGrom is probably going to tell. DeGrom is probably going to look. DeGrom is probably going to look Alderson and Cohen in the eyes and be like, you guys are costing me wins, man. Granted, DeGrom's had a great career, two back-to-back Cy Youngs and a rookie of the year, so nothing nothing to be uh, ashamed about by the former the, the shortstop Grom, out of Stetson. The, the Grom is fine. He doesn't need an opt-out clause. He doesn't need anything. I don't want to hear nothing. I just had a Yankee fan this morning kind of troll me and say, you know, every time I look on my phone and there's some, some, some gifs out there or gifs out there, he was like, it always talking about DeGrom to the Yankees. I'm like, don't even do that. Like, it's not happening. We're not doing that. He's he's staying here. He's not going anywhere. He's going to retire Met. That's all I need to hear. I don't care about nothing else. Nothing else. I don't uh, want no negativity. <laughs> no, we, we can't afford we can't afford to lose DeGrom. He's, no way. He, he's, he's our ace. He's our guy, even though... Uh, I hate using. I can't use the phrase "our guy" after after one of your most all even uh, episodes, your mo- <laughs> one of your more recent ones, because that that phrase "our guy." Every time I, I I I think of "our guy," I think of that episode about Sam Darnold. Yeah, it but, makes me uh, it makes me mad. I I hate that word. I but, hate, that, hate that phrase. Um, <laughs> uh, and then let us let's, let's also touch on one other thing. Um, so you mentioned Batances earlier on the IL. JD Davis is probably also going to be headed there. If that swelling in that hang uh, doesn't go down from when he got hit by that pitch in Philly, right. do you think JD Davis being out for some time is going to hurt this team? Defensively, no. Uh, offensively, yes, because JD Davis is a bat. He can be able to. He hits timely home runs. Like there's one thing about him that since he's been in the Met uniform, he's hit timely home runs. The guy has he has legit power. Uh, is he a is he an average guy, high average guy? Not not really, but he's not somebody who's going to kill you offensively. So yeah, you're definitely going to miss him because that bat is important. Um, defensively, like I said, uh, you know he's not a great defender, so we'll be fine there defensively. But you you need you need hits to get runs. So if we're not getting the hits from from guys that you know we expect, then we need to get hits from guys that we're not expecting hits from that's that's the way baseball works right like it's always some utility guy that you don't really expect to to be there to be a, a you know an important piece to the puzzle so let's see who steps up but yeah jd you know being hurt or you know going down possibly on the il for some time that will affect us but um i believe that we have enough depth to be able to to kind of combat that and 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 hold the fort down until he comes back. Well, you want to talk about guys off to a hot start. Brandon Nimmo, uh, he's a, he came into today uh, hitting 400. That's uh, my and guy. The aver- and, the a- and the average went up. He's also uh, the MLB leader uh, in walks so far this season as, as this is being recorded. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, always a high-energy guy, always a, a good guy to have around. I think he's the only guy in the history of Major League Baseball uh, to to run down to first base at full speed after he draws a walk. So, <laughs> I, I love that too. I love that. I, I love the energy he, and his his defense. A lot of people knocked his defense uh, in years prior, but so far already this season, he's made a couple of, of plays where he flashed a glove, including one today uh, where he was actually falling down. He was in the process of falling, stumbling down, and caught and still caught the ball on the warning track. Just incredible. <laughs> so. It's it's and but 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 when you when you were speaking about JD Davis, you said defensive. You you mentioned defense. That's my own. That's another concern with this uh, Mets team. Guillaume with the error. Uh, Dom Smith is in left field. He's a first baseman by trade. Uh, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse when I when I say that. But um, they they stuck him at left field in the majors. He didn't learn left field until he got to the big leagues. Right. So a deep defense uh, is and Pete Alonso. Uh, as great offensively as he is, even though he has a high strikeout rate, the home run rate, I, I constantly compare him to Dave Kingman. But as great as he is offensively, or as great as he can be, uh, his defense has a lot left to be desired. So defense is is a is a big question mark on this team. 
And the best defense, one of our best defensive players is not even an everyday guy. Kevin Pillar is is on the bench. So, you know, uh, the defense, uh, it remains to be seen what it'll look like the rest of the way. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, we don't have uh, too many errors. No, that's definitely, that's fair. You know what I mean? Like, that's definitely fair in regards to what you're talking about. I, I think this team... The fact that they're a young team, Alfred, is that when the offense is clicking, the defense will start to they'll, they'll they'll start to react better on defense. A lot of young players are like that. Like when they're slumping offensively, their entire game lacks. While some people can be like, okay, cool, I'm not hitting, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do with the plate. Let me make sure that I am perfect in the field so I don't cost us even more games both sides of the ball so I think once they start to hit a little bit and get a rhythm and start having some fun uh, I think the defense will improve so I'm not too concerned about it early on but let's let's see what happens with them come a month from now you know what I mean yep uh last question I'm gonna touch on with you Barry uh we saw Luis Rojas manage 60 games in a shortened pandemic season Last season. Yes. And, and um, what a way to make your managerial debut in the big leagues in of all seasons, 2020. Yes. So we've seen him in the small sample size, 2020, and we've seen him uh, for the first four games of this season. What is your opinion on Luis Rojas as a manager so far? All things considered, pandemic and, and whatnot. That's really a great question. Um. I don't really have an opinion about him. I, I think I think the players like him. I think he's well respected in the in the locker room, um, in the organization. So that goes a long way. But in regards to my particular affinity for him, I don't have any. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like I, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, I'm I'm behind you because you're the Mets manager. But uh, I, I can also see another manager taking over, and I'd be fine with that too. Because, you know, when Carlos Beltran got the job, I was, I was excited about that because I, I know the type of person Carlos Beltran is and the culture that he brings and what he brought to the Mets when he was here and, you know, all of that stuff. So, and then, you know, unfortunately – all the stuff about the Astros came out and we had to find a new manager, but you know, they've always liked Luis Rojas. Um, so came up in the organization, came up through the organization. Right. So, you know, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't have an opinion about him either way. Like right now, um, I, I want to see how he does. I want to see how he handles, he handles the team. I want to see how he, you know, handles the bench, how he gives guys days off and how how he gets to motivate uh, uh, these players and keep them upright, keep them motivated and happy and, and inspired. So all of those things are very important. And I also like to see fundamentally how they how they uh, react to a long season, because, you know, under Terry Collins, we love Terry, but the Mets were not the best fundamental team under Terry. And. Um, you know, it showed in regards to all the, the bonehead errors they used to have. So I want to see 162 games, how Mr. Rojas handles it. And then I think after this season, I'd have more of an opinion about what I think about him. You know what I mean? I get you. And I feel that what he did with Jacob DeGrom, where he pulled him after 77 pitches, that reminded me of Mickey Calloway so bad, so bad. <laughs> you notice how I, you notice how I, I, I didn't even mention Mickey Calloway. <laughs> this was my issue with Mickey Calloway, and I, I know it's it, 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 he's a controversial name right now because of the allegations against him. But Mickey Calloway was a pitching specialist prior to becoming a big league manager. The guy handled the Cleveland Indians pitching staff to the point that they got to the world series. So you yes. would think you would know a thing or two, but Mickey Calloway would either pull guys to, he had a history pulling guys too early, pulling guys too late. Yes. When 
DeGrom got pulled on opening day because 77 pitches, usually you're – now I understand because I've, I've said it here on the report previously, um, you're going to have a lot of teams monitor the arms that they have in their rotations and their bullpen. And and again, last season was not a was was not a sprint. It was a match. So a lot of guys, like like I said, Marcus Stroman has the freshest arm out of anybody um, on the staff because he he didn't play last season. Right. So you got a lot of these guys stress on their arms, and but I still think your ace should not be limited to seventy seven pitches. I think the ace of the staff should be able to go 95 to 105 to even 110, depending on the situation. So well, when he pulled DeGrom in Philly, uh, against Philly in the opener, I scratched my head on Monday. I said, wow, this is – who is he taking cues from? Mickey Calloway? Like, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> and, I, and I honestly feel that if DeGrom would have pitched one more inning, he would have pitched seven. Castro had a good game that game. He, he, he had a scoreless inning. And they could have they could have brought in Diaz. And that could have closed the game down. So, oh, but hindsight is uh, is crazy. Well, but Diaz, D, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, like, I, I, I see your point. Like, I, I don't disagree with what you say in regards to, like, you want to see your pitchers kind of go a little longer. But, you know, opening day, you, you don't want, you know, I, I particularly didn't care for DeGrom to throw 100 pitches or 100-plus pitches the, the first game out. You know, I, I, I kind of I like to keep the Grom in bubble wrap until until it really gets time for it and that he can be able to unleash, you know, so that that wasn't so egregious to me. But I, I see I understand that, you you know, season starting, you want to you got your ace on the mound. You want to see him revved up and ready to go. And there's no restrictions. I, I, I get that part of it. More, we, more on top of that, more on top yeah. of that, he was having a, he was having a game. Was yeah, pitching a gem, two yeah. base hits. When are you? When, when do you ever see a, a starting pitcher get go two for three? <laughs> right. Let, right. So, so I I would have left him in because the, even though it's early, it's the first game of the season. You gotta you you manage your team. You manage your team in in the best way to win. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, it's you, you make you make valid points, bro. So I can't. I'm not going to disagree with you, especially on your show. Uh, <laughs> but um. You know, I just—it's the first game. Like, I don't—I don't really—I don't really go crazy yet. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I understand. Let, yeah, let this happen. Let this happen in like, you know, let this happen in June. Then we're we're, we're gonna have a completely different conversation. So, um, I, I, so I'm I've with you. Always, I've I've just always been the type of guy win as many games as you can early because the Mets do have a history of collapses. So yes, don't remind me, please, please. Those those were some sad days in my life, but um, the Met, like you know, I'm always I'm always of the thought: let, win as many games as early as you can to try to you know build either gain ground or build lead build a lead in the division. Yeah. Um, but last 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 topic, I know I said the uh, Rojas was the last one, but this one I gotta get out of there. Um, I firmly believe that if the Edwin Diaz we saw today is the Edwin Diaz that we have the rest of the year, then um, I, I might change my mind about that uh, that trade Brody did to, to bring in him and Cano. I mean, even <laughs> though I feel like Cano, I'm disgusted with him because I'm firmly against uh, PED use. But, I mean, if we could get the same Edwin Diaz that led all the majors in saves uh, in 2018, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, and, and Edwin Diaz is so inconsistent. One game he'll come out there, he'll throw smoke, he'll get a save, and the next – the next minute, he's uh, he's just a dumpster fire of a pitcher. Yeah, no, I listen. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I am not. I am not in the boat of, you know, wanting to root for Mr. Diaz because I've I've seen enough. <laughs> I've seen enough of him to know exactly what he is. So um, I don't expect much out of him. And I expect exactly what he's been, what he's shown me. So if he play, if he pitches well, great. If he doesn't, that's exactly what I expected him to do. So he's he's one of those guys. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, Familia is in that same category where you know if he goes out there and throws 38 pitches. You you expect him to do that. If he goes out there and has a one two three inning and only throws 15 pitches, and you're kind of like, okay, I'll take that as well. 
you know, it's just there's no expectations for those type of players, in my opinion, because they are who they are. If they're going to if, if they're going to come out of it and have a good season. OK, great. You 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 put that in a in a in a glass case and you save it and you 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 know, you 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 cherry, you celebrate about it and then you move on because you know that it might not last. So, um, yeah, that, that's that that's how I look at guys like that. So I, I'm I'm with you, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be cheering or expecting anything big out of Mr. Diaz going forward. Well, I mean, I know you said the spring training is is far different than than a regular season, but he looked good in the spring. He carried the <laughs> momentum, and you know what? Also, they had to play him today because if they didn't play him, they would have went through the whole first week of the season, and Diaz wouldn't have gotten any work. So I get why. Right. I get why. Um, I get why they played him, uh, but somewhere in Flushing, somebody's lighting a smoke flare, and they're waiting for Seth Lugo to magically appear. So. <laughs> Seth Lugo was always the savior, man. So you know. No, nah, but I, I'm glad he's got that uh, that UCL uh, surgery that he needed for years. So hopefully that that makes him more effective. But uh, one of these guys, one of these guys, got to go because Trevor May lights out in Minnesota. Comes to the Mets and it's like every time somebody puts on a Mets uniform, it's like it's it's like the NBA players in the first Space Jam, they 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 just got their talent sucked out of them. Right. So, like him, Aaron Loop, I was never never really too. When he was in Toronto, I just never, you know, he was just run of the mill, your average reliever. But uh, I I don't want to see any more of Aaron May, uh, uh, Aaron May, Trevor May, Aaron Loop. And and Miguel Castro, leave that trio alone for for a little for a little bit. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. I, I I'm not I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. Yeah, man. But uh, Barry, always good uh, chatting it up with you. Um, uh, once again, can you tell the people where they can find All Even and where they can find you? Yeah, man. You could definitely find uh, the All Even podcast on Instagram. All Even Podcast on Twitter, at All Even Podcast on YouTube. Just type in All Even Podcast, no spaces, um, and you'll see my ugly face on the top banner um, with a big smile. And I have some I have some interesting content. You know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff up. Um, I have interviews um, from, you know, with guys like um, Jake Asman, who's Sports Map Radio. I've had Martine Gramatica. I've had a lot of people... You know, on my interview show, my podcast, that's Tuesdays and Saturdays. That's pretty entertaining as well. I have a, um, I have All Even Live on Wednesday on Instagram Live every Wednesday at 5.30. Um, I have special creators interview every Saturday. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, I, that I'm doing, a lot of content that I'm putting out. So you can always uh, check it out and Drop me a comment and I'll I'll always reply. <laughs> like that's one of that's one of the things with me. Like I always try to be as as available as possible. Yeah, and if if you uh, comment on this post or DM him, I will tell you from experience, uh, Barry will reply to you. And uh, do, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to check out the All Even podcast, uh, which is on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and everywhere else you get your podcast. Um, really great sports show once again. And um, appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Listen, I, I, I tell the truth on, on on this show, so we're and we're very glad to uh, have you as a friend of the show, and I look forward to chatting it up with you sometime soon. No doubt, brother. No doubt. Keep up the good work, man. Absolutely. Thanks for stopping by. All right, bro. We're gonna take another break right now, and when we come back, we'll have our MVP of the week, which Mets player. Uh, gave the best performance throughout the week? Come and find out right after the break. Do you have an event that needs a design? How about planning? You can take care of all your event needs with ARJ Signature Design, run by Alnisa Reed Jenkins, where you can get custom floral designs, event designs, set designs, as well as retail and commercial installs. You can get all that done by Alnisa Reed Jenkins of ARJ Signature Design with event planning and event designing and is also a family-run business. Again, that's ARJ Signature Design and you can go ahead and get your free consultation by contacting Miss Reed Jenkins 
at arjsignaturedesign.com. They do a great job. And again, if you need any event florals, custom floral designs, or set design, whether you're commercial, retail, or personal, ARJ Signature Design can get the job done for you. Again, that's arjsignaturedesign.com for your free consultation now. All right, and it's time for our last segment of the week. It is the MVP of the week. And we have co-MVPs this week for the first edition of this segment. Number one is going to go to Jacob deGrom, who on Monday against the Philadelphia Phillies pitched a gem, even though the Mets lost, which is not his fault. Uh, Of course, Jacob deGrom had a phenomenal outing. He pitched six innings, struck out seven, only gave up three hits. And speaking of hits, from the plate as a batter, he went two for three, including an RBI single. Now, that's impressive. He try, Not only did he pitch well, but he tried to help himself offensively. So shout out to Jacob deGrom, who will also uh, be pitching tomorrow afternoon against the Marlins, 1.05 p.m. start time. And our second MVP, or I should say MVPs, the staff at City Field. Why the staff at City Field? Of course, at one point in time, New York City was the COVID capital of the United States. And the job that these people did when I went to that ballpark yesterday, um, they made, they did their best to make sure everybody was safe. They enforced social distancing. They enforced the mask rule. Uh, even the way that they set up the stadium. Um, so for example, I had a seat by myself. All the other seats around me were zip tied up so nobody could sit in them. And everything was so spread out, I couldn't have felt more safe. So, shout-outs to the City Field staff for a phenomenal job. They did make sure to ask for proof of a COVID vaccination or a negative COVID test. They were very strict about that. Uh, For anybody who's planning on going to a game, this is just my experience to help you guys out so you know what to expect. Uh, The food, normally there would be condiments on the sides. No, you get your food served to you in, in sealed boxes. And they put the condiment packets inside the box. Um, and then you just go to your seat and eat. Very safe. Everything was spread out. If people, typically in a baseball game, as the game progresses and people see what seats are not taken, they try to move down. Several people tried to move down. To their dismay, The they couldn't even sit in the seats because they were zip-tied up. And security was right on top of people. If you if they noticed you were trying to move down, they would grab come get you and tell you you got to go back to your seat. So... Phenomenal job by those folks. Again, um, they enforced the mask. Even so, I had a mask pop on me, and uh, they they were able to provide me with a new mask. So, uh, stand-up job to them. So, Jacob DeGrom and the City Field staff, both are co-MVPs uh, for the Metropolitan Report on this edition. Speaking of our show, the next time that we will be back on the air... Uh, won't be for another 10 days. Uh, we will be back on March 19th. Yep, you heard that right, March 19th. The Mets schedule is as follows. Tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m., uh, it's going to be the Mets and the Marlins again. Uh, 1 p.m. as well on Sunday, they play the Marlins. Then they start a four-game series with the Phillies at home before hitting the road on Friday. They play Colorado, and then they have an off day. So they have... Nine games in nine days, so the grind should be interesting. Uh, as far as what do I see them going, I I, I predict, and I was right too because I did say the last time they would start two and two. I think the Mets are going to go five and four this go round. I think they win. I think they sweep the Marlins for two wins. Um, I think they take two from. I think they take two from Colorado, and I think they take one from the Phillies, so five and four. I think Colorado gets one and Philly gets three. And with that being said, this wraps up this edition of the Metropolitan Report. And until April 19th, the only thing that's left for me to say is, let's go Mets!